0: Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast, late-life lucky. Greetings and welcome inside the yellow studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. The website is leaning LeaningTowardWisdom.com. Back when we had physical bookstores, I would frequent them. I guess we still do have bookstores. I haven't been in one in years. I would spend lots and lots and lots of time, though, in bookstores. Prowling the aisles. I miss it. You know what I miss more? record stores. Hours and hours spent rifling through the bins. Yeah, I know people still do it. I haven't done that in years either. I'm glad you chose to click play. If this is your first time here, welcome. When I hit my fourth decade as a human, yeah, that was over 20 years ago, I began to notice books about people who didn't achieve their greatest success while they were young. I don't know. I hadn't noticed this before. It was likely prompted by the realization I myself was no longer young made me wonder if I had achieved my greatest success already by the age of 40 or was the best yet to come. Ah, you know, I'm optimistic always. Okay, not always, but I try to be. And I tend to be hopeful and always think, yeah, tomorrow's going to be better. Tomorrow's going to be better. I don't know. Parts of me think that maybe I'm still waiting to find the answer. If the best is you have to come or not. Uh, we, we always say it. Time will tell. The problem is time runs out. So we better get busy figuring this thing out pretty quickly. Some folks think that it's best to peek and then walk away or just, you know, come to the end. I mean, to peak just before it's over. And the problem, well, there's a lot of problems with that. The problem is there's a reduction in time to enjoy the peak, if that indeed is the case, or to experience the peak. The other thing is you you don't even know when the peak is coming. If you knew when the peak was coming, then you could better prepare, but you don't. So, again, you time will tell. You just take it as it comes. And what is the peak anyway? Where is the peak? And what will the peak look like? What will it feel? And would you know it, even if you saw it, even if you experienced it? You ever look back and thought, man, that was that was a peak right there. Only to realize that you missed it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. You know, no matter how high you climb, there's always someplace higher. And at some point in my life, I jotted down this phrase in a notebook. Yeah, the phrase that serves as the title for today's episode, Late Life Lucky. Late, And eventually, I I registered that domain. I didn't do it all that long ago. It, you can buy it. You can buy it today if you want. I mean, I, I, I doubt I'm going to do anything with it. In fact, buy it today for just $1,100. That'll help me fund my current ideal outcome, which is to get a place over in Arkansas. No, I mean, come on, it won't help me a tremendous amount, but every little bit helps when you're getting late in life and you're still searching for luck. LateLifeLucky.com, don't you want to own it? Uh, Through the years, I have dipped my toes into uh, periods of study and reading and pondering the randomness of things. I've I've done this as long as I can remember. I I've always been kind of fascinated by just randomness. You know, things like serendipity, coincidence, if you please, timing, happy, well, okay, sometimes unhappy accidents, random chance. I mean, these have been kind of fascinating things to me. Probably because I, I grew up being taught the faith, being taught the Christian faith. And I don't remember how old I was when Ecclesiastes verse chapter 9, verse 11, first really entered my consciousness. It seems like I've known it forever. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill but time and chance happeneth to them all. God granted Solomon his desire to have wisdom. Coupled with divine inspiration, Solomon delivered some powerful insights about life, truth, but time and chance happeneth to them all. I've had people tell me, I don't believe in luck. To which I will ask, okay, we'll define luck. Sometimes, in fact, I would dare say most times the conversation suddenly gets very quiet or people get defensive. I've noticed there are two primary ways that people tend to view luck. One is I don't have any good luck. I'm unlucky. The other is luck had nothing to do with it. I worked hard. (laughs) You know, that's true. Scientific American published a blog post in 2018 that I have had bookmarked since it came out. And I've read this thing too many times. And I've ever read other things like this. The role of luck in life success is far greater than we realized. That's the headline. I'll put links to this in the show notes. By the way, there are millions of Google results on website articles about luck and why successful people don't acknowledge the role that luck plays so on those evenings like me if you're bored if you can't sleep you need some hole to go hopping down yeah, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good one i think i'd rather enjoy it luck plays a much bigger role than we admit because well we would love to prefer that our brilliance come on our brilliance is mostly to blame not randomness or something other than my own genius, that scientific American article contains some bullet points that illustrate the point that sheer talent and other personal traits aren't the only influencers on success. Here they are. These are the bullet points listed in the article. About half of the differences in income across people worldwide is explained by their country of residence. And by the income distribution within that country. About half of the differences in income across people worldwide is explained by their country of residence and by the income distribution within that country. I'm super thankful that I was born in America. I don't know why, but I was another bullet point. Scientific impact is randomly distributed with high productivity alone, having a limited effect on the likelihood of high impact work in a scientific career. Listen to it again. Scientific impact is randomly distributed with high productivity alone, having a limited effect on the likelihood of high impact work in a scientific career. Here's another one. The chance of becoming a CEO is influenced by your name or month of birth. (laughs) Uh, These are interesting. Here's another one. The number of CEOs born in June and July is much smaller than the number of CEOs born in other months. Those with last names earlier in the alphabet are more likely to receive tenure at top departments Cantrell. And I'm glad I've got a last name that starts with C and I wasn't born in June or July. Here's another one. The display of middle initials increases positive evaluations of people's intellectual capacities and achievements. The display of middle initials increases positive evaluations of people's intellectual capabilities or capacities and achievements. Do you display your middle initial? No, me neither. Hmm. I know some people who do, and I'm thinking, okay, really? Here's another one. People with easy-to-pronounce names are judged more positively than those with difficult-to-pronounce names. And then there's this one. Females with masculine-sounding names are more successful in legal careers. (laughs) These are fascinating things. I mean, come on. you got to admit it. Google billionaire, Eric Schmidt, almost anyone who's successful has to start by saying they were lucky. That's the headline of an article posted on December the 24th, 2018. we at the CNBC website. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you that I keep up with the CNBC website, but that he- headline grabbed my attention. And it's one of those bookmarked kind of a thing. I told you, I, I, I've gone down this rabbit hole of thinking about luck for a long, long time. Uh, Eric Schmidt, he of Google fame. And he says in this article, I would say I'm defined by luck. And I think almost anyone who's successful has to start by saying they were lucky. He goes on to say, luck, lucky of birth, lucky of having intellectual and intellect family, home life, upbringing global upbringing etc the best things in your life will come from the people you hang out with he said that has worked incredibly well for me and in that context he was talking about his co-founders in google and that same article goes on to cite warren buffett and mark zuckerberg so wealth creation it requires some luck maybe maybe a lot more luck than we realize Schmidt pointed out that his father was an economist. He moved the family around and he moved the family to Italy when Eric was very young. And that was a time when people didn't travel like they do today. And so he grew up kind of Italian, very exotic. And he declares that that really changed him. I mean, how could it not opened up a whole new view of the world, because as he says, as an American, I've always thought Americans were very, very locally focused. And even today in the world, you all live in, we're still locally focused and not globally focused. So that changed his outlook and that was somewhat lucky. And then there was schooling at the time of the article. Schmidt was 63 years old. Again, this was in 2018, he went to Princeton, studied architecture, but that didn't last because as he admits, he was a terrible architect. Turns out he was a pretty good engineer though. And that was a time when computer science did not exist, but he walks into Princeton one day and says, I'd rather do computers. So he graduates with an electrical engineering degree. Then he got a master's and a Ph.D. in computer science at the University of California, Berkeley. He admits perfect timing, timing that there's no way you could architect and says it was an absolute key to his success. I had the benefit of being early in the computer industry, so that's like super luck. And, and he's right. He's absolutely right. At the time of the uh, article, according to Forbes, he was worth about $12.7 billion. was the CEO of Google from 2001 to 2011, executive chairman of the parent company of Google, Alphabet. He stepped down at the beginning of 2018. He's just a technical advisor now, you know. He can do that. But he also said he was lucky because he had good taste in friends, and they helped him out. and that's where that Larry Page and Sergey Brin, or is it Sergey Brin? they're the co-founders, had some pretty good mentorship along the way as well. It, it, it's interesting that these people with such extraordinary uh, luck extraordinary success that they can attribute it to that. But how could you not, right? How could you not? Even Mark Zuckerberg, who doesn't have the, uh, well, let's say he doesn't have a lock on humility. According to this article at the time was worth more than 46.9 billion drops out of Harvard, focuses on Facebook. Let's face it, there's something wrong with our system where I can leave, talking about Harvard, and make billions of dollars in 10 years while millions of students can't afford to pay off their loans, let alone start a business. Zuckerberg said that in a commencement address at Harvard in 2017. We all know we don't succeed just by having a good idea or working hard. We succeed by being lucky, too. If I had to support my family growing up, instead of having time to code, if I didn't know, I'd be fine. If Facebook didn't work out, I wouldn't be standing here today. If we're honest, we all know how much luck we've had. Hey, let's hone in on the late life part of this thing though. Cause well, that's, I can tell you why I want to do it. Cause that's where I'm at. I don't know where you're at, but I'm getting later in life. So where is here? Where where is here? Where is late life? You know, for me, late life is, it's that point where you reach, where it is evident that you have more past than future. Now, of course, that's relative. It's impossible to precisely know. I mean, people die at all ages, so you could be just a kid and you could still be late in life. I'm not sure when it exactly hit me. And maybe this is that midlife crisis that people talk about, and I don't know that I ever experienced anything. You'd have to ask my wife. I I don't think she would think so either. It seems to me that it was somewhere around the age of 42. It wasn't like at 40, but it was somewhere shortly after that. Might have been sooner. I don't know. And, of course, like I said, I could easily be accused of being optimistic. I mean, you could think, well, at 42, I mean – You think you got, you still think you got a whole lot of future from then until now. Hey, for all I know, I'm on borrowed time and I've been on borrowed time all my life for all I know. What I do know is that when I was 42, that was 22 years ago, which happens by the way. I don't know if this is coincidence or what that happens to be half the time of my married life, 22 years. On January the 2nd, 2022, Ron and I will have been married 44 years. Now, I don't I don't think much anymore about having more past than future. You know, r- now I mostly think about how I think about how little future I likely have. <laughs> I'm I'm running out of runway. You know, I mean for whatever luck I'm hoping to attract, the runway is I'm, I'm, I'm coming up on grass here real quick, which prompts a question. Do you speed up on a shortened runway? Yeah, of course you do. Well, if you want to get airborne before you have to ditch, but the runway represents a few different things in the sense of representing success or high achievement, you want to experience that as fast as possible. So of course you hit the gas, but when the runway represents your life, Okay. Hitting the gas to hit in hit the end of the runway. Well, that, <laughs> you know, see, this is the problem with these metaphors. They just don't always work out so neatly and they don't always make sense, but late life, late life, this, this part of the phrase for, forget the luck part for the moment, late life. It's this phase where you no longer, this is me. This is for me. Uh, you could feel very differently. It's this phase where you're just no longer vexed by what you're going to be when you grow up because <laughs> you're way past it. I mean, there's some stuff and you could sit there and you could regret that you didn't do it. Well, there's no point in that. It's just an interesting place. It's an interesting place. And you think that older people lose energy and ambition and hair and eyesight and skin tautness and balance and skill and, yeah, okay, maybe not, maybe not. Okay, maybe not all of those things, just most of those things. But it's not that clear cut. It is not that clear cut. And nearly all of us have remarked how somebody who was 50 years old or 60 years old decades ago, man, I just seemed really old. And today, Less so, and it's not just because, well, hey, we're that age now and we don't feel that old. It's, I mean, you look back at photographs. Go, if you are over the age of 40, go dig up some photographs of your grandparents and try to guess their age and then look at people that age now, and and I, I can almost promise you you're going to think, well, yeah, they... Boy, they looked a lot older in these photographs. I don't know what that all is, by the way. And I don't think that it's just a wardrobe kind of a thing. Could be. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure what it is. Uh, We were having a conversation just today with some people and talking about medical procedures and talking about, I mean, if if you stop and think, and I, I should have researched this, but I didn't. When I grew up, you know, you, you hear about surgeries being done um, without, you know, lapar, laparoscopic, hello. You know what I mean? Laparoscopic, hello. Can't say it. You know what I'm saying? You know, where they puncture a hole. I mean, it's invasive, but it's not like cutting you open. Well, it wasn't all that many years ago that that was just not, they didn't, they didn't do that. The medical advancements in things, notwithstanding, I don't know why a 60-year-old today, generally speaking, versus a 60-year-old back in the 60s or 70s, they, they, they was completely different. They, they looked different. I, life was completely different. Uh, somebody smarter than me is going to have to figure all that out. I, myself, I have never been this experienced I have never had this much know-how I have never had this degree of wisdom I have never known as clearly whom I can most trust and probably more importantly those people that I absolutely cannot trust I've just I've never been more clear about these things I've never been more clear about who and what is important and I've never known I don't think no, I haven't i've never known as precisely what I don't want, and as a result, gaining increasingly more clarity on what I do want i so this is kind of a special time for me. Yeah, go ahead, you can applaud. My ideal outcome i, I this is a hazard of the day job in helping people pursue their ideal outcome. Because when you when you coach executives and leaders, it is not about you, it's about them. It is about serving them, it's about trying to help them achieve whatever it is they want to achieve. It's not about me coming in and going, "Hey, let me tell you what I think you ought to do." Um and so our ideal outcome is incredibly personal. My ideal outcome, just like yours, is subject to change. They always are. And this is the great thing about ideal outcomes. They should be subject to change. Because, well, you're not just some static person who's living in a vacuum. Mine has changed. There was a time not too many years ago where I thought I knew precisely what I wanted and what I would and would not do. But life has happened. Life has happened. And I have changed my mind as I have surveyed those changes. There's been a, a ton of changes that have happened for me since 2018. Uh, and it just brought about, well, it brought about something else. It brought about something that life, late life taught me. I knew this intellectually all along, but as you get older, you learn it more and more and more. And that truth is simply this. You are a finite resource. You're a finite resource. I think we all intellectually know that that's right, but we don't behave as though we understand it because we squander our time. Well, we squander everything, really. We're great at squandering everything as humans. We squander time. We squander our money. We squander our opportunities. Neglect, well, that's a killer. Procrastination is too. Dwell too long on your neglect and you will, well, you'll have a hard time avoiding any spiral into depression. No, don't do that. I'm not encouraging this. Instead, I would encourage you to draw some imaginary line in the sand and make up your mind. You're going to do better. I, uh, even if only slightly we're coming up on it, we're coming up on it. Thanksgiving. And that's always a good thing. Well, Thanksgiving is a good thing, but being thankful is a good thing. Gratitude is a good thing. So it's a timely subject. We ought to think about more gratitude. I registered the domain late life, lucky.com for two reasons. One, because luck random favor or serendipity. It is not the sole domain of early life or youth. I know. I know it's a youth culture. I get it. In spite of the fact that we are experiencing this, tidal wave of the grain of America, the graying, G R. Some people do you print, do you spell gray with an E or an A? Yeah, I, I use an A, but the grain of America, the aging of America, as those of us who are baby boomers, as we are getting older, it's kind of fascinating to me, and I I think the pandemic had something to do with it. And right, in fact, I'm rather certain that it did. The number of people that I have known who are retiring, and of course, it's because I'm I'm one of them. I'm 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 in their peer group, but the number of people that I have known who have retired in the last six to ten months or so is it's pretty staggering. I mean, there's a pretty big exodus of leadership as people who are 65 or over are walking away from, you know, a lifelong career of whatever. And so this graying of America is, is a fact. It's an absolute fact. And even though there are millions of us who are in that category, you would still you, you would still look at culture largely based on popular media and popular culture and you would still think that well high achievement is it's the purview of the 20s and 30 somethings right I mean once you hit 30 it's over I mean you're done I mean forget Tom Brady I mean you know he's an outlier. I also registered latelifelucky.com because it's hopeful. It's hopeful. I mean, whether the good fortune comes your way or not, there's hope that it may. Hope that you may be able to influence it in your favor, no matter how old you are. No matter how long you may have been slogging away at it unsuccessfully, success, success could still be around the corner. I think that's why I did it. It is why I still love the phrase late life, lucky. And so if I don't sell it, yeah, it's listed for $1,100. So if you don't buy it for $1,100, I'll hang on to it. (laughs) So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about all this stuff as I am wont to do in the middle of the night. And I'm thinking about momentum. And I, I, I type out the question about momentum. Do you really care why? Do you really care why I've had so many, I've had so many conversations through the years with business people, especially about gaining traction and momentum, traction and momentum. These are, these are big words, uh, that get bantered about a lot in careers and in business, especially momentum and traction. And these are things that we pursue vigorously. And when you think about momentum or traction, call it whatever you will, do you really care do you really care why? If you've gained momentum, if you're gaining traction, do you should you pause and really scrutinize it and wonder? Well, I wonder why. I'm wonder why I'm gaining traction now. I wonder why I've got moment. No, probably not. I mean, talent, skill, experience, execution, connection, serendipity, timing, luck. I mean, just keep on. Who cares? I mean, when it works. It works and you're just thankful that it works. And man, we let's keep on. When momentum builds and you're gaining traction, I don't know that you care why. Now, of course, maybe to figure out what works best and to figure out what doesn't work. I mean, otherwise, we're just kind of glad things are working better. People think I'm joking and I'm not, but I regularly tell business people, you know, that I will ask the question. They'll, they'll, it typically goes something like this here's my problem. Here's my situation. What do you think? Me? Is there anything that you have tried up to this point that has worked better than anything else? Virtually a hundred percent of the time, the people will rather quickly will answer and say, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, we tried this, that, and the other. And I'll say, well, then do more of this, that, and the other that other stuff that you did that didn't work, stop doing that altogether. Don't even do any of it. Don't do less of it. Just don't do it at all. Yes, we absolutely chuckle, but everybody, and I do mean everybody, everybody looks at me as though I had hit them in the head with a wisdom frying pan. Sage advice. It sounds ridiculous, but it really, it's not ridiculous at all. It's not ridiculous at all. What is shocking is how often we don't follow that simple formula. I don't either. None of us do. Maybe we don't pay attention to things so that we can discern the difference between, well, what what is working and what isn't working. Maybe we think the answer has got to be more elaborate than that. Maybe we think, we know, the answer, it's got to be something that we just have never done before. And that may not be the case. It may be something that you have done before. You just didn't stick with it long enough. It could be that we overthink it, but it could equally be true that maybe we underthink it. Uh There's a million things that can go wrong to foil our success. And I can hear some of you say, yes, and a million and one things I have found that will foil my success. And I'm continuing to add the count list of things that won't work. Now, come on, be optimistic, be hopeful. Now we've got to have a conversation about desire because any conversation about luck you know, people get vexed and they get wrapped around the axle with things like desire and resilience and determination. But let's just focus on desire let's just kind of bundle it all up in that word. Do not underestimate desire. I have never known any high achiever who lacked the desire to improve. I have known many wannabes Who lacked desire? Somebody posted on social media, some coach posted, um, you know, you can only coach people that are coachable. True, completely true. Lots of books and articles and whatever else. Lots of content has been produced on how to get from here to there. Here being wherever you're at. Could be stuck, could be not stuck, but it's just not where you want to be. To there, there being a representation of where you want to be each of these pieces of content. I, I I think likely presupposes that there is this desire to get from here to there. I mean, come on, why else are you going to be writing or reading anything that has to do with how to get from here to there? So there's some desire, presumably some desire to improve, to grow, to change, but it's not always true. It's just not always true. Fact is some people don't have any desire to change. Some people don't have any desire to grow. Some people don't have any desire to learn. Some people don't have any desire to improve. You can sit here and you can lob rocks all you want, but sometimes it's the person that you're looking at in the mirror. Me too. And we can think, well, that's not right. I always want to, yeah, okay. Check yourself. You sure? You sure, you know, how you can tell, just watch your behavior, watch somebody else's behavior, but more importantly, watch your own behavior. I mean, I can sit here and go, you know, I, I really want to, I really want to drop, you know, 20 pounds. Really? Well, just watch the behavior. (laughs) It ain't looking like it. I mean, if I was outside myself watching myself, I would say to myself, You, you're not interested in dropping 20 pounds. Uh If you wanted to drop 20 pounds, you would drop 20 pounds. Compare your behavior to your words. Well, better yet, compare your behavior to how you think about things, how you think about what you want. Oh, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. I want to learn, you know, okay. Do you really? You sure? I mean, come on. It's pretty obvious that. All of us sometimes we lack desire. It's also pretty obvious that some among us we we lack a lot of desire. And even so, desire is not enough to make you lucky. I know. I don't. It was a golfer. Who knows? I've I've heard it ascribed to a number of different golfers. You know, the harder I work, the luckier I get, or the more I practice, the luckier I get. I mean, there's all kinds of takes on it. I'm not saying that it's not necessarily true for some, but it's not like it's some empirical truth. There are lots of people that work hard. There are lots of people who practice hard and they still don't have the degree of luck that might would mirror the degree of effort that they've put in. Desire is just not enough to make you lucky. It's not even likely going to make you luckier. I mean, unless you have maybe some inordinate amount of desire. Saturday morning, this has been, I don't know, a week or so ago now. Do you watch ESPN's college game day during football season? Well, it's the only time it's on. Duh, it's the only time you could watch it. Yeah, me too. I love it. I, I, I love it. And on ESPN's college game day, there was a feature story on Nebraska football player, Damian Jackson. I'm going to put a link. I'll find it. It's got to be on. It's got to be online somewhere. You need to watch this. Here's a kid who was raised in Las Vegas by a single mom. And he admitted in the piece that he got in trouble as a kid for just being stupid, you know, like all of us did as kids. And so he enters the Navy and then he's got this brilliant idea as an 18 year old, he's going to try out to become a seal. Right. And there's like, I don't know, I think he said 250 people or something that are trying out. And it, I mean, it gets whittled down to like 30, 40 and during that process and he he made it, he described himself as being just too, he was just too stupid to quit (laughs) There's eh, something to that, right? He was just too stupid to quit. So guess what? He made it. He became a Navy SEAL for four years. He's a Navy SEAL. He's dispatched to combat. And when his time was up, he's facing this choice. Do I re enlist and do four more years as a Navy SEAL, or do I try something new? He decided he wanted to try something new. Particularly, he wanted to try a college sport. Well, why not? Right? And college football. Why not? had never played football before, but he figured, so he enrolls at the university of Nebraska because, you know, they're kind of, they're a top 25 program. You know, he's not wanting to go to the bottom of the heap, but he's not really trying to go up to the top of the heap either. No offense, Nebraska fans. Um, and he'd just try to be a walk-on, but he failed. Yeah, that's okay. So he persists, right? He, He, I mean, he doesn't know what he doesn't know do not know anything about football. He's just this beast of a guy, right? I mean, he's just built like a brick house. He persists in bugging the coaches until they finally relent. And he's learning football for the first time. He's learning football at the D one level. Talk about an uphill climb. Today. He's a senior. He's due to graduate in December this year, December, 2021. And he's playing on a scholarship. Huh? <laughs> I mean, you just look at this dude and you can just tell he is one bad dude. Um, here's a young man. He's the epitome of desire. He is the epitome of determination. Uh, teammates talk about him. Scott Frost, the coach at Nebraska talks about, he's just, he's the epitome of desire and determination and work ethic. And during this story on ESPN, he says this, and it was a great quote. If you have a dream. Exhaust every option. Uh-huh. And he lives by it. Impressive, right? I thought so. If you have a dream, exhaust every option. You have to have a dream. Okay, you have to want something more. Not everybody does. Not everybody does, do you? Not everybody wants. Everybody Certainly not enough to pursue it. I mean, come on, there are lots of people who have dreams they've got desires. I pretty regularly will pick on myself with learning the guitar or not learning the guitar. I'd love to know how to play, but the reality is, I'm not willing to pay the price to learn. I've owned guitars for over forty years, and i've yet to been I've yet to prove that I'm willing to pay the price to learn. Otherwise I'd know how turns out, here's the reality. Turns out I'd much rather listen to good guitarists than to be one myself because great guitar players are driven to play, not just listen me. I am far more driven to listen than to play. I don't want to put in the work kind of like that's 20, that 20 pounds I need to lose. You know, many of us are like this. We're like this with most things that we desire. We're more in love with having it. We're more in love with being it than we are in getting or becoming it. You know, we can dream about, we can imagine, man, how great would it be? And then, okay, that's hard work, sacrifice, determination, a lot of sweat, a lot of, effort. Eh, okay. Maybe it's not about having a dream. Huh. Maybe this is why I, this is why I use the language I use. Maybe it is more about pursuing an ideal outcome. I intentionally came up with that phrase some years ago in trying to help other people. The ideal outcome is because, well, it's the outcome. We're, we're not just, chasing some feeling we're not just chasing some emotion we're 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 chasing a result an outcome our ideal outcome we're actually doing something to move forward and if we commit to do the work then maybe just maybe no guarantees here some luck will follow this much is sure if we don't put in the work luck won't follow yeah, I mean, I can sit here all day long and think about losing 20 pounds. I could sit here all day long and think about learning to play the guitar, and I can hope that just some flash of brilliance will overpower me, and suddenly I'll be a thin guitar player. <laughs> yeah, I suppose we're all faced with a guarantee of failure, even if we're never guaranteed success. We absolutely are faced with a guarantee of failure. And most of us we're doing everything in our power to guarantee our failure. We just don't think about it that way because we're neglecting to put in the work. And so, well, see there, I'm not lucky now. Yeah, it could be that we're just stupid. There is that Damian Jackson at the university of Nebraska did not rely on luck to make the U S Navy seals. He did not rely on luck to make the Nebraska football team. He persisted. He persisted until he got the result he wanted. Did he get the result he wanted every time? No, I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you he didn't. But he got an improved result. I mean, he did become a Navy SEAL. He now is on the football team. He now is playing. He is now a scholarship athlete. He wasn't. He wasn't not for all four years. By the way, he's coming back for his fifth year next year. So I'm so I so the piece said he's going to come back and play again next year. I'm sure that he he would have taken any luck that came his way. And I'm sure he did take whatever luck came his way, but he didn't wait on it. There's the rub. There's the rub. What are you waiting for? We use all kind of language to depict this. Well, I'm waiting for my ship to come in kind of hard to do in North central Texas. No place for ships to come in where I live permission. Yeah. Some of us, that's what we're waiting on. We're waiting on permission. We're waiting on a yes. I need a yes. Talk to sales guys all over the world. They're, they're chasing a yes, right? You got to get through so many no's to get to a yes. Don't you know? That's how, that's how this works. It's math, man. I got to get, I got to get through these no's so I can get to a Yes. Some people are waiting for this, this magical cavalry to come. You know, we're, we're waiting for the troops to arrive reinforcements. That's what we need. Dr. Henry cloud. Do you follow him? You read his stuff. You should. He posted something on Instagram. Yeah. I'll insert this too. While I'm inserting things over in the show notes. If you are lonely, do not wait for the phone to ring, get out and find someone. Get out and find someone. Don't wait for the phone to ring. Get out and find someone. You know, I guess there are some things that we wait for. And when people use these phrases, you know, ship to come in, permission, I'm waiting on a yes, I'm waiting on troops to arrive, I need reinforcements, you know. We're we're saying the same thing, I think, because all of these things are representative of luck well, particularly good luck, good fortune, a break, a break. We hear that all the time. I'm a hockey guy. The Dallas Stars are just having a dismal season. Dismal, 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 dismal. And sometimes you'll hear a player say, you know, we just eh, we just need a break. No, you guys need to work harder which what y'all need. Y'all aren't working very hard. They did win the other night, but, I mean, they were the last – they were the last team in the league to win a game in regulation. And that just happened like a week ago, <laughs> pitiful, pitiful. You know, we just need a break. We just need things to fall our way. Now, you know, that's a life that's lived in the land of maybe, yeah, maybe it'll happen. Maybe, maybe tonight, maybe tonight, maybe tonight's opponent, they'll fall. Maybe it'll just come true for us so don't think that this is just you and me. This is, you know, high end professional athletes that are highly, highly, highly skilled, world-class, super competitive. It can happen to them too. It happens for all of us. The phrase late life lucky does not mean that to me. It does not mean that Okay, you're just waiting, and maybe it'll happen, and maybe it won't happen. You know, maybe late in life you'll you'll get lucky. you, You haven't been lucky yet. Maybe later in life you'll get lucky. That's not what I mean by it. And it dawns on me that it's more about how others see what I'm chasing at this stage of life, later in life and that had not dawned on me when i registered the domain that certainly didn't dawn on me when i wrote it down in a notebook um i'm absolutely hoping some things will fall into place but let's be really clear about this i am putting the pieces together if you think of it like a puzzle you line up these pieces and, and you know, certain pieces fit and you look at other pieces and you clearly know, well, they're not going to fit. But when you see pieces that fit, you you eyeball them and you're like, yeah, I think those two pieces will fit and you get them closer together and you see they, they do fit, but yeah, you got to wiggle them around a little bit, right? You gotta, you gotta get them to where they do fit. They, I mean, they fit, but, They don't just, they're not like magnets. They don't just suddenly affix themselves to each other. That's how it is for me. I'm hoping to figure out where the pieces go. So then I can just, you know, I want to just stay busy kind of wiggling the pieces into place. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting for the pieces to miraculously line themselves up. It's like this massive jigsaw puzzle. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the pieces and I'm seeing where they, so I'm putting in the work. But there's something more about the late life part of lucky. And I don't know. The only way I can think of it is is kind of a a joint. eh, That's not the right word, but that's what I'm thinking. A joint pursuit, a, a, a simultaneous pursuit is a better way to say it. Two sides of the same coin. Because for me, late life lucky is running from something but it is simultaneously running towards something else. I mean, if you think about those times in your life where here's where you're at, there's where you want to be. And here can be represented by anything from you beat, you're stuck uh, a job that you don't want a situation you hate and there can be represented by, okay, I'm not stuck and I've got a better job or whatever. But you wanna you wanna let go of one you wanna be rid of one and you want the other one and that's does that make sense? That's how I think about it. Running from something that you don't want running towards something that you do want. it's long been said I don't know if it's true or not. There is a powerful difference in running towards something as opposed to running from something, but I don't in my head these are not kind of binary things. I think they're rather simultaneous things, you know, because if right here where I'm at, if that were my ideal outcome, then I'm not running from it. I'm, I mean, I'm here, but I'm not there. (laughs) I want to be there. And in order to get to there, I got to leave where I'm at. We take trips, vacations, we get in the car and we go somewhere. We go somewhere to get somewhere. So whether we just go to the store to grab some milk or cereal or whatever, well, we got to go from here to there to get it. So we have to leave one place and go to a different place because, well, we ain't got milk and cereal here, but they got milk and cereal there. Uh, that's just how my brain works. I don't know that the details matter too much. Because our ideal outcome is personal to us. It's what we most want to make happen. And world-class mountain climbers, I've heard these people say it time and time and time again. And these are fascinating people to me because I hate heights. Commit, then figure it out. I mean, I, I, I have heard mountain climbers. I've read articles. I've seen documentaries. And you hear it and you hear it and you hear it. And it's some version of that. But it's commit and then figure it out. So there clearly is something to that, at least in mountain climber mindset, commit, then figure it out. It was attributed to Goethe, but I'm not sure who said it, you know, until one is committed, nothing happens. You've, you've, you've seen that proverb or parable or whatever it's called commitment. There's a big deal. It's a big deal. Smarter people than me, have long ago figured out that speed matters in all of this especially when it comes to commitment the faster we commit the more quickly we can get on with figuring it out and those of us who well if you've if you've ever had little kids in your life or if you've got little kids in your life right now you know this to be true so some years ago you know some of the grandkids the younger grandkids they they used to be very timid in jumping into our swimming pool now they're not anymore but nearly all of them at one point were when they were little kids, they would stand on the edge peering into the water and we'd go jump, jump. You know, we got our phones out and we're going to video them and they stand there and they're thinking about it. And then they'd back away from the edge and they'd come back and approach the edge again. And you could tell, you could tell what was going on in their head. The longer they thought about it, the more they would delay and the fear would grow and it would grow and it would grow and it, you know you'd just get tired of holding the camera holding your phone up because you knew they weren't going to jump in and many of us behave exactly the same way with our own ideal outcomes like my grandkids who would refuse to jump into the pool we 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 would like to jump into the action in order to achieve our ideal outcome we would like to jump into this effort of attracting good fortune, but we hesitate and we hesitate and we hesitate and we hesitate and it becomes easier to keep hesitating until eventually, eh, <laughs> we've changed our mind and we're like, okay, what have you changed your mind? I don't want to jump anymore. You really, you don't No. The reality is you do want to jump. You just don't want to jump. Huh? That's the ideal outcome. You wish you were in the water. You wish you could, you you could enjoy jumping into the water, but you can't, you're scared. And so you don't do it. So it's easier to just tell everybody, including yourself. That's not what I want anymore. <laughs> I first wrote down the phrase late life, lucky, because I was thinking of what I most wanted to happen at this later stage of my life. And I wrote it down somewhere toward the end of 2018. And what I knew then and what I now know now even more so is that I just didn't want to delay taking meaningful action. And for me it was a it was a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, not the lucky part so much. And maybe not the late life part so much, but the total of it all, the late life lucky part of it all is the delay in taking action because, uh, you know, I can say today in so many ways I've never been better, but I'm not an idiot. Okay. You could think that I am. Go ahead. Call me an idiot. That's I'm good with it. You, You and I both know there's coming a time. If you feel the same way, then we got that in common, but you and I both know, It's not always going to be that way. It is not always going to be that way. And we get to this point and okay, now things slip. Now, physically, I am not 20. I'm not 30. I'm not 40. So I'm not professing that I am at my peak physically. I'm, I'm not, you just don't get to be 64 and you're just not at your peak physically. But in so many other areas of life, I really do feel like, now I'm not saying I'm, I'm at the peak, but I'm at a peak. In many of these instances, I've never been better. But I'm smart enough, I'm wise enough to know that that won't always be true. So when you think about late life lucky, there's this time element to it, There's always a time element to it because, well, come on, we're constrained by time. Nobody's stagnant. We're, we're all getting older. Now, what are we going to do with that? We're going to leverage that? Are we going to squander that? Yeah, okay. Largely, we squander, like I said before, we squander everything. When I wrote that word, that phrase down in late 2018, I was thinking about, I don't need to delay anything anymore. Mostly what I'd always known to be true. I I guess maybe it hit me a little harder. I don't have time to waste. Don't have time to waste. And for me, it wasn't fearful to commit. I didn't feel like the grandkids with my toes hanging off the edge of the pool fearful to jump in. I didn't have, I didn't have that. What I had, it was fearful for me not to commit. And that still is the fear. I will tell you straight up. The fear is, is you're pursuing your ideal outcome. And you're thinking about this phrase, late life, lucky. If you're like me, you are later in life. And again, I've already defined it as you're at whatever point where you think, or you realize, you know, I got more past than future. I was fearful to not commit fearful to not commit. And maybe that's because it is a light life, a late life thing. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's something that I'm pretty passionate to pursue. Maybe it's because it's such an important thing and it's got important ramifications and the important ramifications that it has for me the things that I'm wanting to pursue, they have an enormous impact on my spiritual health. They have an enormous impact on my mental health. They have an enormous impact on my state of mind. Maybe it's all of that. I don't know. But late life lucky, I don't know. The more I've talked about it, the more convinced I may hang on to that domain. So if you try to buy it for 1100 bucks, I may not sell it to you. I can tell you this much there's just no point in waiting whether it's late life luck or whether it's early life luck there's just no point in waiting it's better to do something about it it's better to commit and to pursue it and to chase it and see what happens and as the mountain climbers among us say And I'm certainly not one of them, so I trust them. They know more than me, especially when it comes to climbing mountains and climbing stuff. Just commit and then figure it out. I do know this. The quicker we commit, the quicker we get busy figuring it out. So there's that. The website is LeaningTowardWisdom.com. I'm glad you're here. Happy Thanksgiving. My name is Randy Cantrell Greetings and welcome Inside the Yellow Studio